You are listening to episode two of the Swallow Your Pride podcast, and today's guest is Tiffany Wallace. She's probably one of my most favorite people in this world. She's board certified in swallowing, and she's just super knowledgeable in the field of dysphagia. She's created so many cool, awesome apps and courses, and I just wanted to have her on here right away because I want her to teach me everything she knows. (laughs) Welcome to the Swallow Your Pride podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Richard. I'm a board-certified specialist in swallowing and swallowing disorders, and I know firsthand how much confusing and conflicting information there is out there about how we assess and treat swallowing disorders. This podcast is all about bringing everyone together, getting on the same page, being open to new ideas, and using evidence-based treatment strategies for our patients with dysphagia. So let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me. We'll get right into the podcast in just a minute. But, you know, the whole point of doing this podcast is to be able to bring you some extremely valuable information that doesn't cost you a darn thing that you can just mindlessly listen to on your commute or while you're at the gym or making dinner. But some of you also might realize that you do want more information and you would like to get to use for it. So I've partnered with MedBridge for the entire month of September to bring you an amazing deal on their membership CEU packages. So I know it's getting towards the end of the year. You're like, oh crap, I need to catch up. I need to get some CEUs. We've got you covered. So I know there's a few different membership sites out there. Why did I decide to partner with MedBridge? No brainer. They have so many great resources all in one spot. There's webinars and lectures from Dr. Yanessa Humbert, Dr. Kate Hutchison, Dr. Katrina Steele, Dr. Marty Brodsky, Dr. Stephanie Daniels, Dr. Crary, Dr. Carnaby, Dr. Grower, Dr. Arvidson on pediatric feeding and swallowing. So many awesome rock stars in our field. So whether you just need to brush up on the basics of swallowing physiology, or you want to learn more about dysphagia and acute care or stroke, or more about video fluoroscopy or rehabilitation treatment techniques, uh, I could go on. You get the point. But you have access to all of these with a MedBridge membership. So The regular price for this membership is $320, but MedBridge has sweetened the deal for Swallow Your Pride listeners for the month of September, and they are upgrading everyone to their premium membership, which includes patient handouts and videos, a mobile app, live webinars, and more. So all of that for $95. So unlimited access to hundreds of CEUs for $95. So go to medbridgeeducation.com, click on Speech Language Pathology, Sign up for the SLP education plan and enter promo code SYP at checkout. So SYP for Swallow Your Pride. Enter promo code SYP and you'll be automatically upgraded to that premium membership, but only for the price of 95 bucks. So super steal. Get on that. Now we'll get on with the show. All right. So today we have Tiffany Wallace with us and she is the author of the blog Dysphagia Ramblings and she does a whole bunch of other stuff too yes what else do you do um I just started blogging for best online university oh their speech pathology pathology blog all right so I do that um I work home health okay I work at the hospital PRN do all their modified barium swallow studies okay you just give one sip of thin and move on no never (laughs) never if we have to stand on our head (laughs) that's what we do good good um but we will i will make that person aspirate all day long fantastic radiologists love me good good tell me that their death is on my hands and 
That's hilarious. I haven't had a patient die yet. Yeah, but we have to see what they're doing. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also do webinars. I have okay. some on speechpathology.com. Okay. I have one on Northern Speech Services. What are the topics? Uh, cranial nerves. Awesome. Sensory treatments. Um, oh. Apps for dysphagia. Yes. So Tiffany's also, also one of the authors of the dysphagia app. Yes. Which is amazing. <laughs> Um, I also have Dysphagia to Go with Smarty Ears. Okay, what is that one? That is an assessment guide okay. for um, dysphagia. So it just kind of leads you through your assessment. So looking at cranial nerves, lab values, medications, all those different things that we need to look at for a bedside assessment. That's awesome. Okay, so Dysphagia so. to Go and then the Dysphagia app is... Mm-hmm. All the treatment strategies yes. and compensatory strategies. Awesome. Yes. Okay. I, I travel and speak um, with PESI. I'm just signing on with speechandvoice.com. Uh, Elizabeth Peterson. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to be um, traveling and talking about what's new in dysphagia. Cool. Therapy. Okay. Uh, what do you talk about with PESI? With PESI, it's an assessment and treatment. So we talk about the different types of assessment, um, lab values, medications, cranial nerves, different measurement tools that are out there. Cool. Like the Ibenhuser um, measurement for molecular residue. We look at the Yale severity scale for fees. Awesome. We talk a little bit about the MBSIMP, um, just different treatment methods out there. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's kind of the reason that I wanted to start this podcast is I feel like everybody is kind of out on their own little dysphagia islands, like doing their own thing and learning their own thing. And then we all come together and we have no idea what everybody else is working on. And I kind of feel like speech pathologists are horrible. Like we're not internet marketers. No. We're speech pathologists. Mm -hmm. And I hate when I hear about like a good friend or someone that I really value their professional opinion has this new course coming out or this you know, new app or something. So I really wanted to do this podcast to kind of talk about what everybody is working on because everybody's Absolutely. working on such cool stuff. So Mutual is where you can find all of your courses. Yes. All right. Cool. Yes. Part of this podcast that I want to talk about is, you know, I feel like there's so much good research out there, but again, as speech pathologists, we're horrible at kind of making the researcher clinician bridging the gap, you know, and I know that Rinky and Dr. Humbert are working on their um, dysphagia grand rounds, which is really cool. Um, but a lot of us are just, we're not good at keeping up with the latest research and, you know, we're all busy. We got families and shit. And so, yeah, I, so I feel like the more I kind of talk to people in our field and I learn, you know, oh, well, there's this great article that came out five years ago or whatever. And, um, oh my God, I didn't even know that. So I kind of just want to know, you know, is there any, article or research or anything that has had a really big impact on your clinical practice? Probably the Langmore article on aspiration factors. Um, And that's from 1998. You know, I was still in college at that point. Yeah. Um, But I think for me that it has changed how I look at my patient so that I don't see that they aspirate and start panicking and, oh, my gosh, you're going home and drinking water anyway. You're not supposed to be doing that. You know, I look at other factors. Yes. And it's made me realize that I can have functional aspirators. Yes. So I can have these people that still aspirate but eat and drink what they want. Right. And because they don't have any of these other risk factors, they're fine. Right. Right. 
So that and probably I would say Bonnie Martin Harris is my other favorite with the MBS IMP. Yes. Work that she's done just teaching me to look past aspiration and penetration. Right. You know, and I still catch myself looking at, oh my gosh, they just aspirated. Right. But, you know, and looking more at why are they aspirating? What's going wrong that's making them aspirate? Right. So, and I, th- I feel like um, with that, I feel like what I'm seeing is we're missing a lot of the respiratory. Yes. With this, we're missing a lot of those COPD patients. Yes. And we're just changing their their liquids and we're not working on that that breathing swallowing coordination right so right I, that was a big eye-opener for me a couple years back dr coyle did a big like it was like a six-hour talk i think in nevada when i used to live out in vegas mm-hmm. and it was all about respiration and swallowing and that was kind of like it made so much sense yes but i think <laughs> i was just so narrow-minded and just looking at the swallow and penetration and aspiration and then once you know you kind of mm-hmm. expand your horizons and all we want to do is really, and I think um, Katrina Steele is one that has pointed it out that diet modification is our number one go-to. And then, you know, we'll start doing the Mendelssohn, we'll start doing the Masako, and we start doing all these exercises when maybe we need to be teaching how to swallow. Right. Sometimes people, you know, get that coordination of the swallow. It's not quite right. And so, you know, doing tongue exercises isn't going right. to help that. Right. So, right. so that's good. Um, and I think Bonnie Martin-Harris has some research out on respiration. And then Dr. Coyle has some great courses on Northern Speech Services. Yes. Yeah, I did see that also. So, just on respiration. So yeah. That's such a huge issue. It is. Mm-hmm. But can you think of any sort of maybe treatment strategies or assessments that maybe have been a game changer in your practice? Um, I really like the McNeil dysphagia therapy program. Yeah. DTP. Yeah. Uh, I went to that course, I think around 2010. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is in Florida. They will bring it to you. Okay. Um, you, it, it, you contact the company and set it up. Um, they can bring it to you, but it's so simple to use. And it's just, I don't, have you done no, MDTP? I, I mean, it's just treatment using food, basically. Oh. You just have the person swallowing. It makes all kinds of sense. Oh. And it just sounds like earth shattering <laughs> rocket science. <laughs> and, and Eating it's not. food. Okay. <laughs> it, you know, and, <laughs> and I guess for me, it's what I had been doing anyway. Yeah. And, you know, you're always sitting there thinking, maybe I should be doing something else. But it makes your patient happy. They see the progress. Yeah. Um, I think my my best patient with that was a gentleman that was MPO. He had he's twelve years status post radiation in resection for tonsil cancer. Um, he had to be MPO because he could not he couldn't swallow. Yeah. There was just no swallow there, and we worked for about twelve weeks. Um, or we had 12 sessions, not 12 weeks. So we did two times a week. So it was about six weeks. And in that six weeks, we got up to mechanical soft. That's awesome. Using MDTP. That's awesome. So it's basically just coaching the patient through the swallow. That's really cool. And it's, you know, it's just, it's nothing. But in essentially, it's kind of really what the majority of us do, like in the skilled nursing facility. Sure. You know, like, you know, we kind of make fun of, you know, poor 
speech pass in our fields where like they literally just sit there and watch the patient eat for 45 minutes yes. you know and I know, yes. I know it's kind of a joke with nursing you know yes. like oh what does that lady do she literally sits there and watches them eat for 45 minutes can you watch this person eat can you watch that patient eat like that yeah. I do more than that you know yeah we but don't essentially do that. yeah essentially that's what some people do they just sit there oh maybe we should try a chin tuck maybe we should try this yeah so and, and really with the MDTP and, you know, if you read Jerry Logoman and you read a lot of these other big researchers, they tell us not to work in the dining room. So I don't do it at mealtime. Yes. I'm doing it outside of mealtime. And we may be doing, we call them our shots of drinks. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll sit out 10 Dixie cups and it has so much water in each one. And that's what we're doing. That's you so know, cool. He's, yeah. Trying not to fall off of his chair yeah. with the water. But we're we're just working and he's swallowing. So we're you know, we're working on that neuroplasticity. We're working on these areas that we need to work. Um, I will give them a home exercise program. Okay. So they may be doing maybe a Masako. Yeah. A Mendelssohn. Um, but they're doing it at home. I'm not gonna sit there and count it out for them yeah, and no, watch them do great. it. Yeah. Um, but there's a new program also coming out, and I don't know if you from Purdue, the I Eat Lab uh, with kind of Georgia. Been following that, yeah. yeah. Um, but where they they look at, and I, I don't know all the specifics on it, and she could, she would be great to talk to. Okay. <laughs> also to tell yeah. you more, um, but just how you do one exercise at a time. Okay. And you kind of cycle those exercises. So maybe for so not the kitchen sink method. Just no, we throwing don't, every oral motor exercise that's on your traditional we worksheet. Them, yeah. No, we don't throw them all out there. Um, I feel like I I do have my go to exercises. I do a lot of the lingual strengthening with resistance. Okay. Um, just because Joanne Robbins has shown so much progress with that, with yeah, you know, improving penetration aspiration scales scores and. In that, so this that's probably one of my go to, especially when I have a really poorly written modified report. Okay, that you know, just taking a shot in the dark. I, I'm trying, <laughs> I know that they have aspiration, and we're just trying to fix it. Okay, so, cool, that's awesome. So, the lingual strengthening exercises, and then the MDTP, MDTP. that's really cool. Um, yeah, I know it's it's a really hot course, but I, yes. I didn't know kind of exactly what they do, they keep it really top secret, which. They yes, do. It's okay, but on they the other do. hand, I never knew what it was. So it, yes, and they're they're starting you know. to leak it out a little okay. bit more. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Um, last year at ASHA, they did have a course where they talked about MDTP. Okay, and they had a lot of. Um, they were talking a lot about functional aspirators, and you know, just showing that this person still aspirates, but they're able to functionally eat. Yeah, and they can handle the aspiration. So that was. That's an eye-opener. And they did talk a little bit more about what MDTP actually is. Okay. Um, apparently, there's supposed to be a book coming out. Oh, cool. Okay. To tell you about it. So. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm waiting for that anxiously. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that would be cool. <laughs> well, because I think that's the big thing is, you know, some of these, you know, it, it going back to, like, grad school. We go through grad school, and we just are given the training that we're given, and then... Mm -hmm from there we're you know tasked with these huge responsibilities and some of us just go based on what we know and you know we go we'll do a modified or we'll get a report mm -hmm. we haven't been properly trained and oh my gosh they aspirated we have to stop the study yes you know and and that's horrible for our field because it's doing nothing for our profession and absolutely not validating us whatsoever um absolutely and for me when i first got out they were doing dpns 
Yeah. The deep pharyngeal neuromuscular stimulation that has absolutely no yeah. evidence behind it. So I, I really didn't want to work with adults because I thought it was disgusting. Yeah. You know, you're sticking your hands in the person's mouth and gagging them with lemon swabs. Yeah. And, yeah. But that's what we did with everybody. Yeah. Everybody got DPNS. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, and I went to the training because I thought, well, this is what I need to do. Yeah. You know, this is what I'm learning. Yeah. And it was horrible. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like, the big eye-opener was I was working in a skilled nursing facility and then had this mobile fees company, this girl, come in. And, you know, I'm just doing what I thought I was doing at the mm-hmm. bedside and we're doing trials and then actually seeing the fees in person and you know same thing she'd let he aspirated a few times I'm oh my gosh don't we have to stop the study well no we've got to see what he can do and you know she'd trial different consistencies and we'd trial different strategies and I just like that was a huge eye-opening experience for me because one episode of aspiration does not equal NPO absolutely there's you know this guy's been aspirating for years and years and he's going to continue to and we've got to figure out what is the best solution. So I think just actually being able to see the visual yes was a huge game changer for me. And I've had I've had people that come in, aspirate that first teaspoon of thin that I do and then the rest of the swallow is perfectly normal. Yeah. So if I stopped on that first aspiration Right. I'm we'd make this person MPO. Yes, and, this person's yeah. MPO with a perfectly normal yeah. swallow. Yeah. So that's always eye opening. Yeah. Um I think another visualizing the um, vital stem or neuromuscular stimulation. I've had several patients because I jumped on the bandwagon for a while. You know, I went to the course. I'm going through the amp care training now. I want to do that also. I I do like that. Rick Um, and Russ are really cool. Yes, they are. And Rhonda, they are the nicest people in the world. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you know, and I jumped on the vital stem bandwagon. I took the course and oh my gosh, this sounds amazing. I can decrease my treatment sessions and I actually working in the hospital I had the opportunity to take the vital stem down to fluoro so I could watch it oh, on cool. the swallow studies yeah and so I'll do a, a swallow or two without it on and then turn it on and the number of people that aspirate while the stem is on and a lot of the training is that you have the person exercise or swallow while the vital stems on but I had so many people that aspirate with it on yeah. and not without it. That was it's so funky. it's very eye opening. Yeah, 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 yeah. A little scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I never really had too much direct experience with vital stim. I just kept reading the pros and cons of it. And mm-hmm. I actually was working at one facility. I'd been there a few years, and the administrator said, "We're going to start. We're going to do vital stim. We're going to start it, and you're going to do it on all your patients." And I. didn't feel comfortable with it no and it eventually came to a head you know I wrote her this whole like three-page document of all the evidence against it and I said if you want me to go through the training I'm more than willing I'm more than willing to give it a shot but it's not going to be a blanket you know kitchen sink treatment we're not throwing it at everybody if I feel it's appropriate we'll do it and she was not happy with my response but too bad well and some people don't tolerate it well yeah yeah. Um, you know if you have a person that you can only turn the device up a couple of milliamps you're not even affecting muscle function because you're not getting, you know, you maybe have a sensory component there, but you're just not able to get into the muscle and actually cause the contraction we think we're causing. Interesting. So, yeah. And most people, um, at least from my experience, don't tolerate very high levels. Okay. 
before they start jumping out of their chair. And <laughs> do you guys do anything like that in home health? Do you use any of the... Um, I have a vital stem yeah. unit. Yeah. And I will use it with some people. Um, typically what I do with my patients, if we do use it, is we'll use it for a few sessions just to give them a little stimulation. Um, and then we fade it away okay. because I, t- I tell my patients, I'm not going to come and see you every single day of your life to yeah. put these electrodes on you and stimulate. Right. Um, so, you know, then we start learning how to do this without the vital stem on. Cool. So. All right. Well, that's cool. But I'm working on getting amp care. Yeah. I really yeah, want yeah, amp yeah. care. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving the training. And I think the reason I'm loving the training so much is, um, and well, Rick and Russ are great. Russ is hilarious, but oh, yeah. the, the first just beginning of it is so intense in the anatomy and physiology and cranial yes. nerves. But I mean, Russ is hilarious and he presents it in a great way. Yes. Um, but it, it's, that's all so important to us. And some of us have just gotten so superficial in our treatment mm-hmm. and we just kind of see some things at bedside and we just throw a treatment strategy at them mm-hmm. whereas I think some people have really forgotten how important you know we keep going back to the cranial nerve component um, how important that is in the treatment and that absolutely. plays a huge role and you can't say that it doesn't and it should drive your treatment yeah absolutely it should absolutely be your assessment and drive your treatment because that's what we're that's where how the mes- message gets to the brain yep. and gets back to the muscles is through those cranial nerves so we're always utilizing them yeah in everything that we do yeah so what you have the one cranial nerve course with Yvette on northern northern speech, speech right um, okay. I also have one it's kind of a review on okay. speechpathology.com oh okay and that's that $99 a year yes yeah, yeah, yeah. the subscription yeah and then um, as a follow-up to that I did one that was building your treatment plan from that sensory cool component and that's so, on speechpathology.com too. it is cool and that sounds great if you really haven't if you're just doing superficial treatments you know yes. and you're not comfortable with that like i was saying we go back to grad school and some of us really didn't learn no. learn that you know we were just taught the basic anatomy and the basic physiology and not very much neuro at all and i, and I find the more speech pathologists i talk to there's some are very strong in the neuro part mm-hmm. and some get it and some just never really were exposed to it and you know, it goes back to improving our grad programs yes. also, but we also have a responsibility to take these courses and learn what we can and, and apply so, them. Yes. Apply them. Because you can know, yes, you can know the physiology yes. and the anatomy and just never apply it. Yes. I think that's the golden nugget here is yes. how to apply what we're finding. And applying these treatment strategies because it doesn't make sense if we're working on you know, if the person needs laryngeal closure and we have them doing these, you know, maybe the Shakir exercise or, yeah. you know, just something that doesn't target that right. muscle group. Right. And that's what I see. I see patients come out of different facilities and they have 25 different pages of exercises. So they're just basically doing anything the and sink everything. Method. It is. Yep. It is. Yep. And we're targeting every single muscle group. And, you know, instead of just focusing on what's wrong, we're not. Right. And we're also, I feel like we're not letting people have abnormalities. Um, right. Right. That are even common for people. Uh, you know, I see a lot of our elderly patients that have penetration. Right. 
and oh, nectar and thick learned, liquids. I mean, that's one of Dr. Humbert's big things. You know, penetration yes. is normal. normal. Yeah, what we call premature spillage, right. Um, right. which I've seen labeled so many different ways. Right, right. Um, but you know, we don't let people do that either. Right. Without it being a problem. Right. Um, residue. Right. You know, we start freaking out about residue. For my facility, we're a very small hospital, 25 beds. All it's right. critical access. All right. And so I don't have very bar because it's too expensive. Correct. So I have to use the regular barium, which coats. Dear God. That's what it's made to do. Yeah. So if there's a little bit of residue, I don't even... you got a lot of residue. Yeah. I don't yeah. document that yeah. because... Yeah. That's what it's supposed to do. Yeah. It's doing its job. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the physiology of the person. You know, it's it's our barium. That's interesting. not made for swallow studies. Wow, what a concept. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. Where was I going with that? I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I, I was talking to Vince the other day, and we were going over that one article that... Stephen Leader wrote, which was in when did he write that? 2002, which is 15 years ago. Like, yes. That's such a long time. It and is. some people still don't get this stuff. But like 70% of the time we're over-diagnosing dysphagia. Yes. So someone coughs at the bedside or like you said, they have a little premature spillage. But other than that, everything is completely within normal limits. And mm -hmm. that is in within normal limits. And 70% of the time we're over-diagnosing we these patients with dysphagia. And sometimes we're recommending diet levels at bedside. Yes. Like NPO. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not comfortable with that. No. I'm not comfortable recommending thickened liquids at bedside. I'm not comfortable recommending NPO. You don't just put everyone on nectar? No, I don't. Oh. I don't. And That is more earth-shattering news today. <laughs> it is. And, I, you know, my nurses will say, well, why aren't we thickening their liquids? They're coughing. And, well, I don't know that they're not aspirating the thickened liquids. Right. And I would rather them aspirate just regular water right. than right. honey thick liquids or right. nectar thick liquids. Because we know, was that, who was that, McCullough, right, that mm -hmm. said that the that there's higher percentage of pneumonia with the thickener. Yes. yes, or protocol 201 there you go. Uh, with Logaman. Yeah. And I think Robbins was on that. There were several people that, you know, with the honey thick liquids, aspirating those resulted in death and pneumonia and yeah. all kinds of issues. Yeah. So, so, yeah, we really need to be careful about just throwing everyone on nectar thick. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then on the flip side of that study was then on the other side, we're missing 14% of the time we're missing silent aspiration. Yes. So if we're just getting so accustomed to treating patients at the bedside, just throwing these thickened liquids at them, and 14% of the time we're still missing silent aspiration completely. So, yes. you know, some people think that they don't need to have access to instrumentals and they think they can just wear the stethoscope around their neck and hear that they're aspirating and and we're we're looking at the <laughs> totally wrong things right. so many times right. we're we're doing cervical auscultation and listening for those sounds of the swallow right yeah i have a stethoscope and i listen to respiratory sounds you know when are they inhaling when are they when are they exhaling um we're looking at pulse ox and looking for drops in the pulse ox to say if the person's aspirating, and that's not true. Right. It's telling us more how they're tolerating. Right. You know, that maybe they need a break. Maybe they need shorter meals. They have lower endurance. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're aspirating. Right. Um, 
you know, we're just, I don't think we're always picking up the signs. Right. Or we hear them cough. We hear um, a gurgly voice and assume that they have residue. Right. Well, how is that residue? Right. You know, I mean, unless it's residue in the laryngeal vestibule, which is not good. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, we just, we don't know. I think we're missing acid reflux. I think we're missing COPD. We're missing all these other issues with the swallow. Yeah. Okay, I had one more question in this. I was talking to Vince yesterday, and yes. he wanted me to ask you this question. Oh, no. <laughs> he, he wants to hear about your extreme obsession with cats. With cats? Yes. Um, I hate cats. Oh, my God, I do, too. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was oh going to go. God. I knew it. I knew it. Uh, <laughs> so... With the dysphagia therapy professional There actually group, is a dysphagia component to this. No, well, no, not oh, okay. really. Okay. Not, not technically. Okay. So, so on <laughs> Facebook, all these years ago, I made this dysphagia therapy group. Yes. And, you know, who knew that I was going to start meeting all these great people right. off of there and, and start... Who knew that so many people yes. were going to just be posting that they have a patient They have with, a cat. Right. Or they have a cat. <laughs> and, and so... And so... From this dysphagia group came the professional group because people wanted, you know, I wanted a place where patients could come and, you know, kind of throw some ideas off. You know, we're not diagnosing or treating, but we're sending them in the right direction to get help. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So then we have this professional group where it's, you know, you need to be an SLP or, you know, we have OTs and nurses and doctors, ENTs in there. So, I mean, it's a really eclectic group. And so in order to get into that group, you had to be screened. You know, we wanted to make sure that you're a professional. And yeah. it seemed like for some reason every SLP <laughs> had a cat on their profile oh picture my- for so long. <laughs> so it, it was on their profile picture. Oh, my God. Or, I mean, like I've seen cat groups that these people belong to. Because, you know, we're always looking People at... People really love cats they, that much? They do. Oh, wow. And <laughs> they... I mean, it's just, you know, we're, we kind of... If we send a message to the person, you know, just saying we want to make sure you're a professional. And sometimes they don't get it the way Facebook runs. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we kind of... <laughs> we kind of do our little spy thing and we look at what other groups they belong to. Yeah. Um, kind of what pages they like. And there's all these cat pages. And so we just have kind of gone gone on with that and we just kind of laugh and I guess in doing that we've started <laughs> realizing that like everybody on my Facebook friends post cats but you know That's there's hilarious. cat videos there are cat pictures there are just it's just cats 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 and I'm not a cat person no I'm not either they're I really despise cats yes they're just a little I feel like too... they're gonna look at me and just gouge my eye out or something oh my god oh yeah I had a roommate in college that this mean cat his name was joey oh my god <laughs> and every time you'd walk by he would hide somewhere and jump out and bite you oh gosh i mean he was just he I'd was a, scarred for life oh he was a terrible cat and i ended up i had these slippers that he scared him so i had to wear them all the time so he wouldn't bite me that's hilarious and i mean it was just it was awful it was a horrible experience and i never want a cat no I just so. feel like they look at me and they're going to just scratch my eye out or something. Yes. Like they're not nice. Yes. So we, Vince is one of my really good friends <laughs> that knows, 
<laughs> kind of my how much you love cats <laughs> how okay. much i love cats and i had no idea that it yeah. was so went hand in hand with speech pathologists it does but he huh. did find a an e-harmony video of a girl that is talking about how much she oh loves cats and just starts crying and you know we're trying to get him to hook up oh with her because I, I think it would so. be a match made in heaven i think so all right well i think that's all i have is there anything else yeah. I think the main thing for SLPs working with dysphagia is to know that you never know everything about it. Yes. Um, I, don't I be actually, afraid to say that you don't know. Yeah, because yeah. we don't know every. There's so much unknown out there still. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I think that's I, where we get ourselves in trouble. Is we think I do too. we know exactly what's going on, and we throw the kitchen sink method. And yes, that's not the case. There's so much good research coming out. Yes, and I, I've actually known a person that was like that that just said, you know, hey, I've I've learned everything I need to know in dysphagia, and yeah. I want to learn other things now. And you know, you're you're watching what they do with the patients, and you're thinking that's 15 years ago yes, what we did. I actually ran into a girl at a hospital a few weeks ago, and she. I questioned something she did, and she said, "Well, this is the way I've done things for 15 years." So why am I going to change it now? And I was like, well, you know, that's not... And I can't remember what exactly it was that I questioned. But I said, I think there's better, you know, more research out there now. Absolutely. And she said, oh, well, she goes, well, I don't attend these CEU courses or anything. I just, you know, I'll just do whatever's free just to get my courses for the year. And I'm like, this is... That's such a disservice to our field. It is. Because she's such an intelligent person. It and is. And she has a lot to offer the field. And it it really angered me. I Absolutely. <laughs> And when I start, like I said, I mean, they were doing DPNS. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. I don't know. Well, I know very few people that use it. Yeah. Because it's very uncomfortable for the patient. And there's nothing saying that it works. Yeah. There's no research. Um, you know, when I used to give out home exercise programs that were pre-made. Yeah. It was exercises like stick out your tongue right. and right. make a bulldog face and hold right. it. Right. <laughs> you right. know? Right. And you start questioning these, like, what is this person doing? Right. Well, and I think that really, like, unvalidates. Is that the word? I don't know. Yeah. Um, because th- then, I like, the guy that I used to work with, he was a PT. Yes. And he would see patients come in and he would just hand them my sheet of, like, home exercise, of exercises. Yeah. And he's like, well, this is what everyone does. And it's like, well, why the heck do you even need me anymore? You well, know, you the don't. PT can hand out the exercises. Yeah, so. you don't. Because yeah. if it's a set group, then why can't the patient just print out the yeah. exercises? Yeah. Because we need to focus and we need to work with the patient. Um, I think education's huge yes. for these patients. Yes, absolutely. Um, I have so many patients that I'll say, well, why are you doing this? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if they don't know, they won't work on it. Yeah. You know, they, they set the exercises to the side and they're just done with them because they all they look at is these silly little tongue exercises and I don't right. know why I need these. Right, right. Because they don't see, you can't see a physical improvement. Right. With it, um, a lot of times these patients don't even really recognize that they're coughing all the time with their drinks. You know, right. they'll take a drink and hack and cough, and, but they'll tell you, no, I don't, I don't cough with my drinks. Yeah. yeah. So they're just, they're so accustomed to it. They don't always notice the huge improvement like that their family member would. Right. Whereas, you know, with physical therapy, they can see that, oh, now I'm walking without a cane. Right. Oh, now I'm walking without. 
without anything or now I'm walking and it's a huge impact on their life where they're most of our patients are still eating right and drinking something right but so. I think a lot of it there's a big component in in getting what the patient's wishes are absolutely I mean some of these you know like post laryngectomy or I mean they've been doing the same thing for 10 12 years and they're just totally fine and happy doing it yes and then we come in and well maybe you should try this or you should try that and I think that there was a big learning curve for me a couple years ago that I you know was kind of pushing some guy you know to try to advance his diet and he finally just said to me I don't want to like I'm happy yeah my quality of life is fine I'm content doing this I feel fine doing this oh all right well and so we need to educate ourselves that yeah, you know, some patients are happy. Uh, a lot of our dementia patients are happy right. on pureed foods. Right. Because it's just like, easier. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. easier and they don't like the texture. Yeah. And so we're, you know, why would we advance their diet to something that they won't eat or that they won't like? Right. So right. I just, I'm a big, that's, I think that's why I like the home health field. Yeah. Is I, it's a very intimate relationship with your patient because yeah. you're in their home. Right. You know, you kind of go make yourself at home too. You you can tell yeah. a home health therapist yeah. that's been doing it for a while because you just go and you kick back and yeah, you know, and you sit and you get to know the person. You get to know their routine. You you know their lifestyle and you can modify it with them. Yeah. So, but you also they'll sit there and tell you. I I've had people that will say, yeah, I use my thickener and I can look at their cup right there and see that there's no thickener in that cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you have x-ray vision tiffany i do i do uh, and you know i i know that that's thin water yeah I, i've been around it a long time <laughs> and, and so you know so i know that they're they're sneaking their water yeah and so i can start working more on oral care yeah you know hey absolutely i know you're gonna sneak this water let's prevent that aspiration component and Let's do this and, you know, maybe we can coach and make this, the swallow safer for yeah. your water. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I have not met a patient yet that is 100% compliant. Right. Um, you know, I get those patients, that, oh, yeah, I do my exercises. Yeah. And, you know, they don't because yeah. you see... You know, you see the, the paper is still covered with spaghetti sauce in the it corner is. of the kitchen. Yeah. And it's under a stack of papers that probably haven't moved since yeah. the first month that you were there. Yeah. And so I know you're not doing them, but what's something that you will work for? Right. You know, or you know, I, I try to give my patients a reason to work for it. Right. You know, what's something that you can't eat right now that you want? Right. And then that motivates that person. And I think one thing at, at ASHA, Dr. Murray was talking about how he just hates the term non-compliance. Yes. And I think I that was a big eye-opener for me, too, because, oh, well, they're being non-compliant with their exercise. And it's, no, they just don't give a shit about them. They yes. don't. They're not interested <laughs> they in don't. doing these stupid exercises because they don't know what they're for. They're not seeing any improvement. So, I mean, like you yes. said, if that's not something that interests them, what can we do to to make them safer and sometimes our patients are smarter than we are because they know that those k and g words aren't doing anything for their swallow and it's been proven there's research and dr logaman talks about it you know i think she did an asha um presentation that was k and g words do not affect back of tongue movement for swallowing what (laughs) oh i know i mean i just i love the title because they don't have to go to the talk right right (laughs) i I know what it's about i got the hilarious (laughs) 
and it freed oh up that time to go what? to something else. Oh, my God. But <laughs> That's hilarious. But, yeah, I mean, you know, these patients are sitting there, and if I can't tell them what the exercise is for, if I can't tell them, hey, this is targeting these muscles that do this and will help you with this, you know. Right. If they don't see that and they don't feel that and they're not seeing any improvement, they're not going to do the exercises. Right. I wouldn't either. No. Hell no. No. I mean, I would say no. Yeah. No thanks. I'm <laughs> no. all set. I'm good. I got some Real Housewives to watch or something. Yeah. 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 You know, Walking Dead's on tonight. Right. I, I'm I'm all, yep. all that on that. That these lingual exercises any day. It does. And I'm yeah. not, you know, I mean, I may choke on my stick because yeah. something big happens. And, <laughs> you know, I'm not doing with this. But, um, but it is important, and, you know, especially thinking of our head and neck cancer patients. I've been getting a lot of these. Um, just doing those prophylactic exercises to prevent. Um, we're doing, you know, I'm seeing people start to come in 20, 30 years down the road after radiation treatment that never did exercises that are becoming fibrotic. Yeah. And it's starting to affect their swallow. So, you know, I mean, those exercises are good. And I tell patients, you're going to have to do these forever. Yeah. But I try to make it manageable, you know, three days a week or just so that they're doing something to keep those muscles moving. Right. So, but, you know, tell them why they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. I'm going to post all of this. I'll post it on the website and I'll have links to things you got going on because I think knowing what kind of courses are out there and what people are learning and working on is how we're going to get better. Absolutely. So, all right. It's all about sharing. It is. Sharing is caring. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so if you would love to hear more of these episodes and get some easily digestible bites of swallowing knowledge, then please leave a review on iTunes or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash swallow your pride because that is what keeps these episodes coming. Also, don't forget to subscribe, share with your closest colleagues, and show notes will always be available to download over on SwallowYourPridePodcast.com, where you can also be notified of the latest podcast episodes. Also, credit to Stephanie Jacobson for her incredible editing skills, and thank you so much to all of you for listening.